Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Hello. Wow. So we're on chapter 11 already of um, Five Go to Smuggler's Top. So chapter 11 is George is worried. Now, why is she worried? Because yesterday, if you recall, Timmy made a noise. So... What is going to happen next? Let's find out. Chapter 11, George is worried. Mr Lenoir cocked his head on one side almost like a startled dog when he heard the muffled barking. He looked at the children, but they made no sign of having heard anything. Mr Lenoir listened a little while, saying nothing. Then he turned to a drawing book belonging to Julian began to look at the sketches there. The children felt somehow that he was doing it for the sake of staying in the schoolroom a little longer. Into Julian's mind came the quick suspicion that somehow Mr Lenoir must have been told of Timmy's barking and come to investigate it for himself. It was the first time he had ever come to the schoolroom. Timmy barked again a little more distantly. Mr Lenoir's nose grew white at the tip. Sooty and Mary Bell knew the danger sign and glanced at one another. That white-tipped nose usually meant a storm of temper. Do you hear that noise? said Mr Lenoir, snapping out the words. What noise? asked Julian politely. Timmy barked again. Don't be foolish, there's the noise again, said Mr Lenoir. At that moment, a gull called from outside the window, circling in the sea breeze. Oh, that gull. Yes, we often hear the gulls, said Dick brightly. Sometimes they seem to meow like a cat. Pah, said Mr Lenoir, almost spitting out the word. I suppose you will say they also bark like a dog. Well, they might, I suppose, agreed Dick, looking faintly surprised. After all, if they can meow like cats, there's no reason why they shouldn't bark like dogs. Oh, Timmy barked again very joyfully. Mr Lenoir faced the children in a very bad temper now. Can't you hear that? Tell me what that noise is. The children all put their heads on one side and pretended to listen very carefully. Um, I can't hear anything, said Dick. Not a thing. I can hear the wind, said Anne. Uh, I can hear the gulls again, said Julian, putting his hand behind one ear. I can hear a door banging. Perhaps that's the noise you mean, said Sooty with a most innocent expression. His stepfather gave him a poisonous look. He could really be very unpleasant. And there's a window rattling, said Mary Bell, eager to do her bit too, although she felt very frightened of her father, for she knew his sudden rages very well. I tell you, it's a dog and you know it, snapped Mr Lenoir, the tip of his nose so white now 
that it looked very strange indeed. Where's the dog? Whose is he? What dog? began Julian, frowning as if he were very puzzled indeed. There's no dog here that I can see. Mr Lenoir glared at him and clenched his fingers. It was quite clear that he would have liked to smack Julian. Then, listen, he hissed. Listen and say what you think could make that barking, if not a dog. They were all forced to listen, for by now they felt scared of the angry man. But, um, but fortunately, Timmy made no sound at all. Either he had let the rat escape, ugh, or was now gobbling it up. Anyway, there was not a single sound from him. I'm sorry, but really, I can't hear a dog barking, said Julian in an injured tone. Nor can I, said Dick, and the others joined in saying the same. Mr Lenoir knew that this time they were speaking the truth, for he too could hear nothing. When I catch that dog, I will have him poisoned, he said, very slowly and very clearly. I will not have dogs in my house. He turned on his heel and went out quickly, which was a very good thing for George was quite ready to fly into one of her rages and then there would have been a real battle. Anne put her hand on George's arm to stop her shouting after Mr Lenoir. Don't give the game away, she whispered. Don't say anything, George. George bit her lip. She had gone first red with rage and then white. She stamped her foot. How dare he! How dare he! She burst. Shut up, silly, said Julian. Block will be back in a minute. We must all pretend to be awfully surprised that Mr Noir thought there was a dog, because if Block can read our lips, he mustn't know the truth. Block came in with a pudding at that moment, his face as blank as ever. It was the most curious face the children had ever seen, for there was never any change of expression on it at all. As Anne said, it might have been a wax mask. Funny how Mr Lenoir thought there was a dog barking, began Julian, and the others backed him up valiantly. If Block could indeed read their lips, he would be puzzled to know whether there had been a dog barking or not. The children escaped to Sooty's room afterwards and held a council of war. What are we to do about Timmy? said George. Does your stepfather know the secret way behind the walls of Smuggler's Top? Sooty. Could he possibly get in and find Timmy? Oh, Timmy might fly at him, you know. Yes, he might, said Sooty thoughtfully. I don't know if father does know about the secret passages. I mean... I expect he knows, but I don't know if he guessed where the entrances are. I found them out quite by accident. I'm going home, said George suddenly. I am not going to risk Timmy being poisoned. You can't go home alone, said Julian. It would look funny. If you do, we'll all have to. And then we won't have a chance to solve this mystery with Sooty. 
Oh, for goodness sake, don't go and leave me just now, said Sooty, looking quite alarmed. It would make my father furious, simply furious. George hesitated. She didn't want to make trouble for Sooty, whom she liked very much. But on the other hand, she certainly was not going to risk danger to Timmy. Well, I'll telephone my father and say I'm homesick and want to go back, said George. I'll say I miss my mother. It's quite true, I do miss her. You others can stay on here and solve the mystery. It wouldn't be fair of you to try and keep me and Timmy here when you know I'd worry every moment in case someone got into the passage and put down poisoned meat for him to eat. The others hadn't thought of this. That would be terrible. <clears throat> Julian sighed. He would have to let George have her own way after all. All right, you telephone to your father, he said. There's a phone downstairs. Do it now if you like. There won't be anyone about, I don't suppose. <clears throat> George slipped down the passage out of the door there and down the stairs to where the telephone was enclosed in a dark little cupboard. She dialed the number she wanted. There was a long wait. Then she heard the buzzing noise, brr, 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 that told her that the telephone bell at Kieran Cottage was ringing. She began to plan what she would say to her father. She must, she really must go home with Timmy. She didn't know how she was going to explain about Timmy. Perhaps she needn't explain at all, but she meant to go home that day or the next. Brr, 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 brr said the bell at the other end. It went on and on and nobody answered. She did not hear her father's familiar voice, only the bell that went on ringing. Why did nobody answer? The operator at the exchange spoke to her. I'm sorry, there's no reply. George put down the receiver miserably. Perhaps her parents were out. She would have to try again later on. Poor George tried three times, but each time with the same result, no reply. As she was coming out of the telephone cupboard for the third time, Mrs Lenoir saw her. Have you been trying to telephone to your home, she said. Haven't you heard any news? I haven't had a letter yet, said George. I've tried three times to telephone Kieran Cottage, but each time there's no reply. Well, we heard this morning that it's impossible to live in Kieran Cottage while the men are hammering and knocking everywhere, said Mrs Lenoir in her gentle voice. We heard from your mother. She said that the noise was driving your father mad and that they were going away for a week or so till things were better. But Mr Lenoir at once wrote and asked them here. We shall know tomorrow because we have asked them to telephone a reply. We could not get them on the telephone today, of course, any more than you could, because they've gone away already. Oh, said George, surprised at all this, <clears throat> and wondered why her mother had not written to tell her too. <clears throat> Your mother said she had written to you, said Mrs Lenoir. Maybe the letter will come by the next post. The posts are often most peculiar here. It will be a pleasure to have your parents if they can come. Mr Lenoir particularly wants to meet your clever father. He thinks he's quite a genius. 
George said no more, but went back to the others, her face serious. <clears throat> she opened Sooty's door, and the others saw at once that she had news of some sort. I can't go home with Timothy, said George. Mother and father can't stand the noise the workmen make, and they've both gone away. Oh, bad luck, said Sooty. All the same... I am glad you'll have to stay here, George. I should hate to lose you or to me. Your father has written to ask my mother and father to come and stay here too, said George. What I shall do about Timmy, I don't know. And they're sure to ask questions about him too. I can't tell a downright lie and say I left him with Alf the Fisherboy or anything like that. I can't think what to do. We'll think of something, promised Sooty. Perhaps I can get one of the villagers to look after him for us. That would be a very good idea. Oh, yes, said George, cheering up. Why didn't I think of that before? Let's ask someone quickly, Sooty. But it was impossible to do anything that day, because Mrs Lenoir asked them to go down into the drawing room after tea and have a game with her. So none of them could get out to find someone to look after Timmy. Never mind, thought George. He'll be safe tonight on my bed. Tomorrow will be soon enough. It was the first time that Mrs Lenoir had asked them down to be with her. You see, Mr Lenoir is out tonight on important business, she explained. He's had to go to the mainland with the car. He doesn't like his evenings disturbed when he's at home, so I haven't been able to see as much of you all as I should have liked. But tonight I can. Julian wondered if Mr Lenoir had gone to the mainland on smuggling business. Somehow the smuggled goods must be taken across to the mainland, and if all that signalling business the other night had to do with Mr Lenoir's smuggling, then maybe... He had gone now to dispose of the goods. The telephone bell rang shrilly. Mrs Lenoir got up. I expect that is your father or mother on the phone, she said to George. Maybe I shall have some news for you. Perhaps your parents will be arriving here tomorrow. She went out into the hall. The children waited anxiously. Would George's parents come? or not. Ooh. Well, let's find out tomorrow whether they do. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, um, make sure you have a good day. Make sure you take care and stay safe. Okay? And I will see you all again tomorrow. Bye for now.